Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2373. Today I'm talking with someone who goes by the nickname The Stiglet. Given I'm at the Rolex Motorsport Reunion and part of the four-day historic racing events here at Laguna Seca, this is appropriate to have a talk with a young man who loves racing. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm with a young racer by the name of Joey Andrews. His friends know him, though, as the Stiglet. Joey, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Ready to release the clutch. I'm in gear. All right, good. Well, for a guy who's been doing some racing, I guess that's a simple thing for you. Something you've done a lot of is releasing clutches. When we dive into what you're doing and what you've done in the past, we'll have some fun learning about your racing and a whole lot more. But before we do that, I always ask my guests this. What's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Joey the Stiglet? You know, I had to think about this one, but I, um, when I was little, I used to do I did it up until recently. I used to do TV commercials. Oh, really? Yeah. Actually, one of the most interesting ones, my very first TV commercial I did, I was like two years old, and it was for Volkswagen. That was kind of my first connection with cars. Two years old. So I'm guessing you probably weren't really, it wasn't really a talking role? No, it was not. I, I don't even remember it, which is the funny part. Uh, <laughs> my mom has photos. I was like in a Volkswagen Jetta. I don't remember anything about it. But yeah, that was that was the start. Well, cool. Can that be found on YouTube anywhere? I have no idea. I'm guessing it could. Um, I do know some of the other commercials I've done can be found on YouTube. I did one for Comcast during the Olympics in 2021. And then I'm supposed to do one for DirecTV, but they decided to not uh, air the commercial. Uh-oh. You ended up on the cutting room floor, as they say. I did end up on the cutting room floor. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. That was a shame. That was a fun one. And then I did one for Realtor.com when I was like eight years old. Okay. Now, is that something maybe in the future you'd like to pursue? Uh, commercials sometimes lead to, you know, doing acting roles. I mean, you think back to, let's say, an actor like Brooke Shields, who started as, uh, you know, a young kid in commercials. Is that something you think you might want to do in the future? I'm definitely not opposed to it. You know, one of the things about me is I always love being on camera and being around film sets, you know, whether I'm the one behind the camera or in front of the camera. And so, you know, my backup plan is if I don't become a racing driver, I'd love to be a TV presenter for Formula One. Okay. Well, I just had two racing presenters on my show, Jamie Little, who is a U.S. woman who's down doing a lot of NASCAR stuff, and Amanda Stretton, who spent 20 years in uh, the U.K., uh, and uh, some time with Formula One uh, down there in the uh, the pits with racers. So uh, there you go. So you can follow in their footsteps. And both those women have been doing it for decades. So uh, who knows where you end up? That's that's pretty darn cool. And I'll let our listeners know that I met Joey back in 2019. And when he sent me his pictures, I went, wait, this isn't the same little kid that I, I met. But you're a young man and you've grown up quite a bit, gotten a lot taller. Uh, when we were both at the McQueen car show well steve mcqueen car show i was with his son chad at the time that's when we first met so uh, we've been trying to get together for a long time so i really appreciate you taking a quick pit stop with me and being a guest on the show 
Oh, thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Well, let me introduce you. Joey Andrews, also known as the Stiglet, is a young racer whose motorsports journey started when he was just 11 years old when he started watching Top Gear. That's when he came up with the nickname the Stiglet. He won a trip to the U.S. Grand Prix, which further ignited his racing bug, and he quickly started racing in carts. He earned podium spots, making his mark, and attending as many race events as possible. He raced in the Cal Speed Sprint and Super Series, in addition to Tri-C Carters, in his LO206 cart. He currently competes in the National Autosports Association Teen Mazda Challenge, driving a spec Miata for Hicks Motorsports. We'll learn a lot more about Joey, but first a word from our sponsors. I'll give them a little listen, and we'll be right back. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. So, Joey, we are back. So I want to go back in time a little bit first, because when I met you at the uh, Steve McQueen Car Show, you were primarily introducing me as the Stiglet. And I thought, well, this is pretty cool. Here's a, a young man who loves racing. Uh, definitely the Stig was an entity that they did a wonderful job. In fact, I've had two of the original real Stigs as guests on the show here. One, the American Stig, and one, the first real Stig for the show. I know they kind of played games with Michael Schumacher being the Stig and all that, but that wasn't really so real. So I would love for you to go back in time about how you got your passion for cars, where the Stiglet idea kind of stuck in your mind. We know where it came from, but what kind of instigated that? And then we'll move through your karting career and then into what you're doing today. So let's take a step back in time first. There's kind of two starting points, I think. When I was little, my mom, which still owns the car, we have a Porsche Boxster. And I always go for rides in the car. I wasn't like involved in the car community in any way. But I just like being around toy cars and Hot Wheels. But then what really took off was when I was in fourth grade, I met my friend named Derek. And Derek's family works on classic cars. And he'd always bring car magazines to school. And I'd always think it's the coolest thing in the world. Uh, you know, you see him pulling up to school in a 1959 Cadillac. And it's like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Know, he, that's unique. He's standing out. 
yeah, so it was really cool. So he would show me these car magazines, and I started getting into road cars. And he told me, oh, you got to watch this show called Top Gear. It's amazing. And so I, of course, fell in love with Top Gear, watched every single season. And then I started watching the Grand Tour when that came out. And I remember I was, I think, in sixth or seventh grade when they launched the very first episode of that. We watched that together. And then where the Stiglet comes in was when I was, uh, I was in eighth grade. I was 13 years old at this point. I decided that I wanted to create an Instagram page to share my passion for cars with other people. And so I was trying to come up with a name. And I was talking to my mom. We were like, well, I love the Stig. And I was like, okay, well, I've always wanted to be a mini Stig, so Stiglet. <laughs> yeah. So that's how that came about. <laughs> well, it's cool because it's one of those words that you go, wait, what? And those of us who love Top Gear and know cars get the idea with the Stig and then being small and mini. So, yeah, I, I think that works pretty cool. So you built that Instagram page around your passion. Uh, is that part of, did you get to go to a lot of events and things to take pictures, to place on the uh, Instagram page? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it started out with me, you know, before I was racing. Because every weekend I would be at a car show and just taking photos, meeting people and discovering the stories of cars. Um, and so, yeah, it was just every weekend I was trying to be at as many events as possible. It became overwhelming, but it became it was amazing at the same time. <laughs> well, sure. It's great to find your passion. Not too many people find their passion when they're young like you did, but then incorporate it into your world and your life the way you did is really cool. And then where did the racing come into play? Racing came into play in a very strange way. So most people in motorsport, like someone in their family, participated in it, and that's how they got into it. But for me, neither of my parents come from a motorsport background. So one day I was, this was during my uh, Top Gear uh, marathon of watching every episode. I felt like I want to go drive a car. But I was 11 years old at the time. I can't drive a car, obviously. And so I'm Googling, like, you know, where, where can kids drive cars? And I found indoor go-karting. And so I was like, okay, I'll go check this out. And I fell in love with it the second I hit the throttle. And I could turn the wheel and I'm like, I'm the one in control. This is amazing. Yeah. And so every week I would just go back to the, this indoor karting place and just keep practicing and practicing and practicing. And then I was then trying to figure out how I made the jump from indoor karting to proper outdoor karting, you know, the real deal. And when I was 14 years old, I met a guy who told me about this place called Cal Speed Karting, which sadly is no longer there. But that's where I started racing outdoors on big circuits. When you made that transition into that move from indoor carts to something more real, because that no doubt led to racing, if you will, and things started to get really serious really fast versus indoor karting, which is kind of fun. Obviously, it's a step up from the Disneyland carts on rails. Yeah, exactly. You're actually under control, but definitely a difference. But when did you realize that, you know what, this karting's fun, but I do have a passion for competition? I would say I realized it probably when I was on like, 12 years old, um, only mm -hmm. a few months into my indoor karting journey. Because the, the struggle I was figuring out was like, I was, it was funny, it was at this indoor karting place, they had pictures of like, you know, the European championships of karting in the wall. And you look at this, you'll be like, I want to do that. But it's like, how? And I would be Googling like, you know, how, like, do you get paid? Are there teams that hire you? Like, I had no idea how it worked. And all I would find was advertisements to be an Uber driver. <laughs> little, little bit different. Yeah, qu quite different. And I was like, how in the world do I make this happen? So it was honestly just a total string of luck that I got introduced to outdoor karting. And it took me almost three years to make that jump. I remember there were days where I was just like, I felt so hopeless because I was like, how in the world do I do this? I just could not figure it out. 
Yeah. Well, and plus you're in the middle of school, so all the school activities and things like that that consume a person. Um, you know, most young kids might have a sports hobby or something like that, but you start to get serious, especially about racing, traveling, and all the complexities and cars and train. I mean, there's just so many tiny pieces that all have to weave together. So when you finally found a source or a place, how did that all come together for you so you could go, okay, now I can actually race carts? Yeah, so essentially I went to Calspe Karting and I went to a race called LAKC, which stands for Los Angeles Karting Championship. And I, I was walking through the paddock and I remember it was like a very cold, rainy day. And I would see all these people with carts, but I was like, where do you buy a cart? Where do you, how do you talk to these teams? You know, how does it work? And so I left there kind of confused. I was like, okay, I found the karting circuit. I just don't know how to drive on the circuit. And then I met someone who told me that the track actually had rental carts. Not only did they have rental carts, but they had se- racing series for those rental carts. Oh. So I was like, okay, this is perfect. I can just arrive and drive, kind of like indoor karting, but on a proper circuit. Right. And so I showed up for a race, uh, and I didn't know they had like a beginner series and a series that was much more advanced uh, with drivers who had 30 plus years of experience. Oh my so God. I showed up to the, the advanced series because I didn't know any better. And I remember... I went out for qualifying and I just thought to myself, like, what in the world am I doing? It was, it was very overwhelming uh, how off pace I was, how confused I was. But where I was really lucky was everyone was super nice and welcoming. Um, so even though I wasn't doing very well in my first race, I felt comfortable and I had a great time. So that was kind of the step of where I started racing in outdoor circuits was uh, the Cal Speed Super Series. And I remember it was probably... I would say until a year and a half in where like I really started making big progress and really started working my way up the ranks there. But it was it was such a pivotal journey. I learned at that point, like, because when I went in, I had these expectations like, oh, I'll just show up and win. I didn't realize motorsports not easy, obviously. But I learned the importance of the community uh, aspect in both racing and the car world. And that made the biggest impact on me was that first year and a half where that was kind of everything for me of why I showed up there, why I kept coming back. Well, it's the way the car world is. I think I know after talking with so many people and being involved in it, it's a real helpful group. And I raced in vintage racing, which is far from pro, but in vintage racing, it's the same way. If you have, uh, you know, you blow a clutch, you get on your track bike and ride around and ask if anybody's got a clutch for a 1967 Lola T290 sports racer. And lo and behold, somebody go, yeah, here's one, take it. And uh, yeah, that's the way it goes. So it's a wonderful, wonderful group. Now, as we fast forward, uh, you find yourself now in real cars miatas which is a wonderful place to start i've had so many people on the show that either race in miatas or started in that and then evolved and grew out of that how did that come together yeah so spec miata the idea of it came about last year uh so essentially in 2022 uh, i was racing competitively club level and national race as well and i was trying to figure out because i knew i was 17 years old at the time like i got to make the jump to cars and so I was working with my coach named Casey Cook, and he was telling me about you know how I have to get a race license and kind of telling me about the the opportunities that Spec Miata had. And so basically, my plan last year was figuring out okay, I'm going to finish my year strong in karting, but I'm going to use this year to really build the the bridge for Spec Miata. And so yeah, it all started through my coach Casey Cook. He was the one who pointed me in the direction and it set me up with the race team Hicks Motorsports and got me my first test day in the car and. It was pretty amazing to see it all come together. 
Yeah, what was that like, that experience going from, because that, that is a jump, even into a Miata, which they're, they're wonderful cars for starting in because of the size and speed and, and everything. They're just a nice, nice transition. But what was that, in your words, like when you first got into one and actually ran your first event? Uh, what was that experience like for you? I remember when I entered my first race in it this year, I just thought to myself, like, I remember I was on the outlap and I just thought, wow, we're actually doing this. And I thought back to 11-year-old myself who was like, how do I do outdoor karting? And I'm like, now I'm in a full race car. And so that was that was kind of my main thought at the time of the progress we've made. But it was just, it was kind of an emotional moment for me because I was like, we're actually doing this. Yeah, um, I made it. Yeah. And, it's, and now I look at it, I'm like, okay, well, now I want to get to the professional level. And so there's, you know, now there's a whole other ladder to climb. But it was a huge, uh, a huge difference difference going from karting to cars i mean when you're on a full-size track of like these famous tracks you've heard of like willow springs and or you know my, my first test day i was i remember i was racing i was at the rain at auto club speedway and that was my first time driving in the rain because in southern california it never rains and it was <laughs> yeah. it was quite a way to jump into it, it just head first going for it and that's kind of been my approach this year It'll wake you up. The first the first real vintage race I did was in an open-wheel 1960 Lotus race car, and it was raining. And, uh, wow. yeah, I, I was scared to death. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing here? I've got little children. I've got a race. This is crazy. Uh, rooster tails, and they put us out there, all of us are rookies. So I was out there with all different kinds of cars, closed-wheel car, big bore, Corvettes, and I'm in this tiny little race car that nobody could see in the spray <laughs> thinking, I'm going to die. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think driving in the rain and living up here in the Northwest, we're kind of used to it at the streets, but uh, uh, you go slower. And that's a good thing to start with, to kind of learn Absolutely. car control slower. Yeah, most definitely. When you think about racing, is there a person that's been a bit of an inspiration for you? Um, could be a mentor or could be just some racer that's been uh, influential in your life? Yeah, there's there's been a few people. I wouldn't say there's been like one person who's mentored me individually. It's kind of been a bunch of people in the car community as a whole. But like if I point out some specific people like, if you know Michael Dolphin, um, Michael, yeah, no, Michael, he's great. Yeah, Michael, uh, I met when I was 13 years old, and he's always helped me with getting me into events and being able to network and helping me do my first track day in a car. Um, and Michael's kind of one person I've always been able to talk to and get advice from. Um, and then I think to people like my race engineer James, who you know, when I'm at the track every weekend, you know, he's always there for me, and there's a deep trust I have in him. Um, I coached Casey last year. I mean, the progress we made in that year and a half I worked with him is just incredible. I mean, I transformed so much as a person from working with him. Then I think about my parents, too. They're on this journey with me. You know, they don't come from a motorsport background. So it's been amazing to see their support and how they're willing to help me out in every way they can. And so we're all going through this together. And then I think, you know, even people like Jay and Nicole Ryan, who, you know, let me intern on their show back in 2021, helping out and you know, always introducing me to people. So... I would say it's been a few people who've been really, really influential for me. Awesome. Well, that's the way the car world is. Now, challenges are one of those things that teach us incredibly valuable lessons. As you've gone through this period of racing from carts to the Miatas, has there been one big challenge that was perhaps really tough to face, but when you look back, you're kind of glad you did it because it taught you a really good lesson? Absolutely. Uh, and I was just thinking about this last night and uh, watching some old footage, but at the end of last year, uh, I entered a race called the Machismo 12-Hour, which is a 12-hour endurance race in go-karts. 
And I decided to enter, they have two classes for this race. They have uh, the rental carts and then they have their own private LO206 carts. And I decided, you know what? It's my final karting race. I'm going to enter this race with my cart. And at the time, it was my rookie year in this cart. I didn't know much mechanically, but I took on the role as number one driver, number one mechanic, team principal, strategist. Um, <laughs> Man of all of everything. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, I was a full-time student as well in my senior year of high school. So, you know, having to do six roles at once was, uh, it was intense. And we had a lot of challenges throughout the race weekend. But I'm so glad I did it now that I look back on it. At the end of the day, you know, even though we finished 18th and 70 laps down because the cart kept breaking, I was smiling at the end of it. I mean, the fact that I went from, you know, my rookie year in this cart to, to now being able to say, oh, I'm actually running a team for a race. I mean, that was just, <laughs> that was a challenge I enjoyed so, so much. Well, this is cool. And it's a great segue to the next question. And that is bucket list in the future. Where do you see your racing career going in the future? Yeah. So there's kind of two routes I see in the future. My goal number one is obviously to be a professional driver. I'd love to, you know, be a factory driver for a big name manufacturer racing across the world, you know, whether that's in endurance racing or open wheel cars or, you know, whatever opportunity comes my way. Um, that's kind of the main North Star goal I have. You know, I look at that every day. I'm like, that's what I want to do. And then plan B for me is I'd love to work on the media side of Formula One at some point as a TV presenter. You know, I love talking. Um, so and I also, I have a very encyclopedic knowledge about racing. So for me, like I always love talking to people about the history of, uh, the history of motorsport. And I think to be able to, at some point in my career, do that professionally would be amazing as well. Awesome. Great. Well, there you go. Good to have bucket lists and a direction of where you want to be. And the racing world certainly offers so many different opportunities and many people playing all those roles as guests here on the show. So I love it. I want to talk about one special vehicle in your life. Now, you're a young guy. How old are you today? Today, I'm 18 years old. 18 years old. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to remember back to that. Whew. Uh, well, you're way ahead of me when I was 18. My biggest goal was to figure out how to buy another surfboard so I could go surfing. So there you go. Uh, I think also starting college. So there were those uh, those things in front of me. When it comes to one special vehicle in your life, now, this could be a car you've owned. It could be a race car you've driven. What's that one special vehicle for you? So for me, my family's 1999 Porsche Boxster. My mom bought the car in 2000 with 10,000 miles, um, and she's kept the car ever since, which has been amazing. Um, so that was when I was a baby. I'd go for rides in that car. I figured out a way to disable the airbag, and then <laughs> nice. I learned I learned to drive manual on that car. I mean, I technically taught myself. I remember I said to my mom one day, I was like, "Oh, can I drive the Porsche?" She's like, "Well, you don't know how to you don't know how to drive a stick shift." I was like. Oh, I do. <laughs> and I did, I got my race license with that car. I've taken that car on track a bunch. Uh, and it's, uh, I, I drove it today. So it, that's been the car that's always been with us. And we're never going to sell that car. It's just, it's been an amazing journey. Well, my listeners, I'm a Porsche fan. So both my kids, uh, I told them they had to, their first cars had to be a stick shift. And they both learned how to drive in my 1972 911S Porsche, uh, which was a great, I, and I did that for a specific reason, probably more for me than them. But I always thought, you know, later on, you're going to say, hey, the first car I learned to drive a stick shift in was uh, this car. Although I will say my son, when he was eight years old, we were on a farm and he did learn how to drive a VW Bug that was a stick shift at eight. So we had to put some pillows behind him so he could be 
reach the pillows, but uh, or the pedals rather. Um, but yeah, and then when I later got my 87 Turbo, my son uh, took that out for a drive. I think he was 17 at the time and uh, got to learn about turbo lag, which was a, a, a fun thing for him. But uh, the Boxster is such a great car. It's just forgiving, fun, nice size, kind of Miata size-ish a little bit, maybe a little bigger. Uh, the Miatas that you guys run, are they older Miata, Miatas, newer Miatas? Yeah, so Spec Miata, it's the first and second generation of the Miata, the NA and the NB. So it's 1990, I what the first year production Miata was. I want to say it was 1990 up to 2000. So yeah, it's the older Miatas we run. Okay. Uh, my, my car is a 1993. So it's the first generation pop-up headlights. Remember, I worked with a guy when they first came out, and he bought one. And uh, we used to go to the gym together, so he'd let me drive over to the gym in his car. And I just thought, this is the coolest little car. I mean, everything about it is just right there, right in your hands. And, and I was driving, a, I think at the time I was driving an 84 Porsche Carrera Cabriolet as my daily driver. So I was used to driving a 911. Uh, now, that was an 84, so... A little different, but I remember that Miata thinking, this is a cool car. I really, really like this. So I'm a bit of a car psychologist here on Cars. Yeah, I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here, Joey. If you were manifest, reincarnated, pun intended, as a vehicle, what would you be and why? So this is an interesting one, but I think I would be a Mercedes E-Class. Okay, um, now why is that? I, I think as a person, um, the way I've come up through the car world, I've been able to indulge myself in so many different aspects, whether it's racing, car detailing, videography, photography, my encyclopedic knowledge to just networking with people or now learning how to work on cars. So I'm a, I've, I would say I've become very versatile. And the thing about the Mercedes E-Class I always think is that car is one of those cars that can do everything. It's a comfortable daily driver. It's a sports car. It's a luxury car. Big, but not too big. Like it, it just, it kind of does everything. So yeah. Yeah, they're they're wonderful cars. In fact, I was at the Porsche. I think it was my first time at the Porsche factory, and we were walking around. We were very lucky. We got a private tour, and we walked by this old brick building, one of the original buildings. And there were these windows down, kind of at the sidewalk level. And I I kind of peeked down in there, and there were all these Mercedes in there. They were E class Mercedes. And I asked the guy, I said, "Why do you guys have a bunch of Mercedes here?" And he kind of smiled and he said, "Oh, that's kind of a secret." And I go what's going on he goes well we're building e500s the motors and the cars for mercedes and i went i thought he was joking it this is right before they were announced and they came out there was little hints of them and turns out that they did i've always loved those cars going back to that model all the way up i just think you're right they just kind of do it all do it really nicely you know the philanthropy and giving back is so important in people's lives. Is there a way that you either think about that today or perhaps in the future that you'd like to give back to others in the automotive sector? Yeah, absolutely. So currently right now, I'm an ambassador for Drive Tour to Cure, uh, which Drive Tour to Cure raises money for research on Parkinson's disease uh, and helping out patients there. And so last year, I uh, did a car rally as a charity event. And this year, I'm going to plan a couple events to help them out. And then in addition, in karting, uh, I've gotten into coaching now and helping out the next generation of people. So helping them not only on track with how to get faster, but also off track, how to figure out the logistics. And, you know, I think about the challenges I went through. I want to make sure I want to help people who don't come from a motorsport background be able to enjoy our sport and learn how to be involved. The other thing in the future I want to do, you know, once I'm retired from my professional career is I want to create a driver development program where, you know, people can come and train on the simulator uh, you know, work out in a gym and 
learn how to really work on the business side of motorsport and kind of become the all around perfect driver. Um, so for me, I really enjoy helping people out. Uh, I think it's one of the great things about the motorsport and car world is how interconnected it is. And for me, like nothing feels better than seeing someone you're helping out improve and just get better and better. Oh, that's awesome. Great attitude to have. Of course, Deb Pollock is the one behind Drive Toward a Cure. She's been a guest a couple times now on uh, Cars, yeah, I believe. Been friends with her for some time, and it's a great thing that she's doing for Parkinson's. I'll put a link to that on Joey's show notes page. For you who have maybe missed my talks with Deb or not familiar with Drive Towards a Cure, a uh, great thing. And it ties cars and people and events all together to raise money for a wonderful cause. How about a great book? Is there a book out there you'd like to share? Yeah, um, there is. So one of the most influential books that I read only last year for the first time was by a man named Enzo Mucci uh, called The Warrior's Mind. Um, and Enzo is a driver performance coach from the UK, and he works with drivers all the way from people just getting into car racing to you know now Formula One reserve drivers such as Liam Lawson. But what's amazing about Enzo's story is Enzo was kind of like me where he didn't come from a motorsport background, found a way to have a driving career racing Formula Ford, and then now he's working and developing some of the best drivers in the world. Um, and so this book talks about what it takes to become the ultimate driver. And it's such an amazing book. And not only does it talk about driving, but you, you learn so much about the way the human body works and your brain and how to really maximize your performance. And I remember after reading that book, I just kind of people say, oh, it, it opens a gate. Um, but it, What's funny was after reading that book, uh, I won my biggest race ever. And what's cool is uh, I commented on Enzo Mucci's YouTube channel about that, and he responded that he was so proud of me. And that really, uh, that really had an impact on me. So everywhere I go, I bring that book with me. It's always in my backpack every track I go to. It's um, kind of like, I guess, my racing Bible. Um, so yeah, that's definitely my favorite book I've ever read. Oh, great recommendation. And he's right. I mean, there's an old saying in racing that many a race is won before you get to the track. And a lot of that has to do with prepping the car, having everything ready to go. Uh, but also, of course, the driver uh, being prepared and the mindset. And I've had hundreds of race car drivers on the show, and many of them talk about that, that you can lose a race before you even get in a car. If your brain isn't in a perfect place, in a mindset to win, could be distractions, could be you just not too sure about the race something isn't quite right uh, but it's like that in life as well it's kind of think and grow rich that great book um yeah you got to get your mind straight first and that's such a big part of racing a lot of the greats like Yerton Sennies talk about that as well getting your mind in the right place before you go in uh, realizing when you step in the car I'm gonna win this race or at least thinking that so great book I'm glad you recommend it I'm not sure anybody's I think maybe one person might have recommended that, but there's a place on my website called Guest Recommended Books where there's over 3,000 books, so it's getting a little harder for me to remember every book that's on that list, but uh, we'll make sure that The Warrior Mind uh, by Insumichi is there. So let's go on the ultimate drive. I'm a bit of a benefactor. You're going to love me today, Joey. I'm going to provide you with any car in the world. You can take it on a drive anywhere. That includes a race car on a racetrack. And if it's a car that holds more than one person, you can take anybody with you, including somebody who's no longer with us, which opens up a world of unique conversation. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? So this one is uh, its a very strange combo. Okay. <laughs> it's a bunch of dreams coming together at once. So uh, I would be with Sir Jackie Stewart. He's someone like me who loves telling stories, so I'm fascinated by that guy. Uh, I'd be with Sir Jackie Stewart in a Ferrari P4, and we would be in Scotland doing the North Coast 500 Road. 
Nice. Oh, yeah. You know, that road, I've had several people, my son's been up there in that part of the region. And, you know, until somebody told me about that and I started looking into it, I went, really? There's good roads up there in Scotland? I had no idea, but that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So if you could ask Jackie one question today, what would it be? I think I would ask him, what was your favorite moment off track, but within the racing community? He's got enough to draw from, so he might have to stop and think about that one a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And I just think about like in 1960s and the 1970s, you know, you look at racing, how tight the community was back then and the stories you hear from all the drivers knowing each other. I mean, like the movie Grand Prix, and I just think like there had to be some fascinating conversations I wish I was a fly on the wall for. You've taken us on a wonderful ride here today, Joey, and I can't thank you enough for uh, taking a little pit stop with me and being a guest here on the show. Before I let you go, could you share maybe some parting words of inspiration or wisdom? Yeah, so a um, favorite quote of mine that I always look at every day comes from Nicky Lauda, and it was when he won the, I believe it's the Loris Sport Award, uh, which goes out to any person who's had an impact in the sports world in any sport. It's a huge award. Now, this is back in 2016, and he said, I would like to dedicate this award to the loser because I will tell you, out of all my experience, while winning is great, out of losing, I always learned more. Yeah, I love that. I, I knew you were going there as soon as you mentioned him. Well, I'll bet you I know where he's going to go with this. Yeah, it's all about learning. And racing is all about learning and improvement. And and especially coming from him. Oh, wow. You wouldn't, I mean, he was so driven and so, uh, got to win, got to win. But the fact that he realized the importance of experiences and losing, teaching you a valuable lesson was really powerful, especially when he got that award. So if you look at Lauda's career, I mean, not only was after Formula One when he went to the airline business and then, you know, he finished his career working for Mercedes. You know, he was a man who was always driven, always wanting to improve. Always an inspiration to me. Definitely, definitely. How can people follow along with you and learn more about you, Joy? Yeah, so I'm on uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and the app Roadster. Uh, my username is The Stiglet. Uh, and then I also just launched my website, thestiglet.com. So definitely check that out. And so that's website. how you can follow me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, driving for Hicks Motorsports, do they have a website? They have an Instagram page, uh, but they do not have a website. I believe it's at Hicks Motorsports. Well, Joey, this has been so much fun to catch up with you. Really proud of where you've come from, what you've done, and where you're going. Love having young people on the show, especially racers. So here's to your future. A big cheers to you. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for having me on the show. You bet. This was fun. And remember, if you're lucky enough to be out here with me at Laguna Seca Raceway, the Rolex Motorsport Reunion is happening today, tomorrow, and the next day. Going to be fun. Lots of very cool cars. If you see me out at the track, please tap me on the shoulder or any of the events happening this wonderful week here at Car Week, uh, including the Quail, the Pebble Beach Concours, any of the many auctions, uh, there's so many fun things to do. I hope to see you here. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.